Wilson! 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 GIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Gary Kramer, hi everybody, I'm Gary Manson. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together we are Manson Mitchell in your ears for the hour. Mighty glad that you have chosen to join us. It's going to be a fun hour. It's going to be a metaphysical hour. We're going to get into some cosmic weeds and we always look forward to that. Whenever we have the lovely Elizabeth Wilson, a deeply learned and enlightened lady, she is going to be along in just a few moments. But first, let's say hello to bad boy Benny Mathers at the board. How are you doing today, Benny? Gary and Suzanne! <laughs> Gary and Suzanne! <laughs> Gary and Suzanne! That's my best version. And I, I should actually. <laughs> is that your Tom Hanks? That was my Tom Hanks impersonation. <laughs> okay. I should actually interject that in no way, shape, or form does that particular Wilson of movie fame bear any resemblance or relationship to Elizabeth Wilson. We thought it would make a fun drop to use that name <laughs> during a desperate time. For Tom Hanks's character, that's for sure. I'm Castaway. I'm Castaway on that raft of his. That was an amazing movie. Sometimes life is like that. You eat shrimp to survive, and they rescue you. What do they give you? A buffet of shrimp. Everywhere right? you look, shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's something about the law of attraction and law of attention there. This is the kind of stuff we're going to discuss today, with or without shrimp. We are so happy to have Elizabeth Wilson with us once again. Somebody we've actually met in person. Yeah, this is a friend of ours. Somebody she lives in Sarasota, though thereby hangs a tail because she's lived in numerous places, originally from England, where she received most but not all of her deep education. And she spent time in Colorado. To me, it has the markings that time in Colorado, as I have learned about it over the past few years, seems rather a vision quest. And there were lessons to be drawn, and Elizabeth Wilson and her husband, Matthew, and their two lovely daughters were day by day applying these life lessons. So the stories are great, and so are the lessons, and then there are the principles behind it all. That's what we're going to talk about today. Elizabeth Wilson is a leading vibrational ontologist having to do with the nature of being. She specializes in the human process of expanding consciousness. Her work centers on the metaphysical and energetic craft of enlightenment, and she helps people embody the knowing of truth, even through collective turmoil and strife. Any of that going on? Elizabeth Wilson is the creator and author of Sovereign, A Way of Enlightenment, a curriculum for life mastery, and she's also an ontology practitioner at Longevity Wellness Clinic in Bradenton, Florida. We know her through the Sarasota Center of Light, bastion of metaphysical learning, and from that we have developed a friendship and we also have derived life lessons just by listening to her when she makes these wonderful talks of a Sunday. She is well known for that in our parts and for our Seattle audience and anyone listening online anywhere on earth, you are now going to be treated to a conversation led by us, perhaps, but we lead by following the wisdom of Elizabeth Wilson. Elizabeth, my dear, we are so happy to have you back with us. 
Wow, I could not be more excited to be here, Gary and Suzanne. Thank you so much for that incredible introduction. Don't you love it when people pour over you a reflection of all the things you've learned and all the ways you've become over the years? I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. We did you know it's actually that. yeah, go ahead. Sorry, do you did you know it's actually six years to the week since I first spoke with you um live on it? Do you remember we were talking oh, about really? flagship uh, wow. living? Oh, that could be, that could be, yes. And no, I didn't look that up. I sometimes look up when guests have been on before and I didn't happen to look that up this morning. But it was interesting, I, I was thinking to, to myself, when we hear the accolades about ourselves, we know that day by day, we're just doing very normal things like you know laundry and shopping and cooking and cleaning and and you know reading and praying and whatever but yeah. boy you add it all up and you got a life don't you <laughs> that's it that's where life is happening life is happening in those details it's happening in those mundane moments there is actually no separation between your highest spiritual goodness and the boring mundane stuff that needs to get done out there in the world is there isn't it that a, a buddhist saying that what do you do when you reach enlightenment you chop wood and carry water that's it. It's those bits and pieces of life that are always going on anyway. Yes, that is absolutely true, regardless of our surroundings. And I mentioned surroundings in the connection of your and your family having an extraordinary experience where it seems to me you were presented with the bare facts and necessities of life. And you had to make a collective decision about how you were going to respond to what surrounded you in that moment for an indeterminate time after all, because it doesn't seem to me like you did that by the calendar, except when it came to honoring the seasons. There you were in, was it Conifer, Colorado? That's right. Yes. In the wild Rockies faced with existence and an existential problem or a series of problems that you seem to have mastered elegantly. There's a lot to be drawn from that, but why don't we start by having you tell us the story of all that you experienced in Colorado and what did you learn, Dorothy? My goodness, that is a universe to sort of try and synthesize <laughs> and formulate, but I'm going to give it a punt because, you know, you're right. There were great learnings that sort of add up to, you know, incredible, incredible wisdom based on the principles of the universe. In other words, spiritual and metaphysical law. And like you say, Gary, when you're stripped away with all story and you're left with the bare bones of truth, you have absolutely no choice but to honor that truth in the moment. And I think that's why so many of us thrive at rock bottom, because that's where we discover that God is, in fact, the rock. But what happened was, this is the going back to the beginning a million years ago, like so many others, Gary and Suzanne, we had heard about the, the law of attraction. We had opened our eyes to the fact that we are more than this physical existence and that energy is all that, that exists and the, the energetic fabric of the cosmos precedes matter. So we've started figuring this out, right? And this is what I, what I see is collectively going on among all of our brothers and sisters on the planet right now, coming to this awareness, right? So we had come to this awareness 
And we had noticed that there were certain principles governing how energy moves and that those are attached to consciousness. And we'd read some key pieces of information from particularly new thought writers. And I know that you guys are, are fond of new thought and, and the wonderful philosophy that comes out of science of mind. And we'd learned a few principles and, and we decided to sort of set them in action. And particularly, as, as many people do, when they come to this knowing that, crikey, I have, a, I have more command over life than I thought I did. I'm actually uh, more, more at the helm of my ship than I believed I was. Like so many of us then do, we sort of go, yeehaw, let's test this out. Let's take the helm and let's drive it, drive the ship towards what we think is what we want. What our, what our human ego, what our small and, and, uh, and, and fledgling uh, awareness is able to prehend as a possible goodness, right? Is that clear? So we have, a, we have a, an idea of what it is that we are wanting. And that idea is based on data points, facts and information that we've gathered into our lives so far. So for me and Matt, that meant let's end our financial trauma, our financial trouble and turmoil, and let's manifest wealth. Let's use the old <clears throat> Napoleon Hill philosophy of think and grow rich. So we did. We began to think and grow rich, well, or so we thought, right? We made the vision boards. We, we wrote down the lists, we did all the experiments, we took charge of the things that we wanted to do, and we began to attempt to architect a life of wealth. We thought that by our will, by our egoic will, and the power of our thought, we could architect a life of truth. And we discovered that that's not quite as simple as that. So shortly after my husband and I said, let's let's do this, let's create wealth out of thought. Good old Hurricane Irma came along. And mm. do you remember that? that was, oh, yes. My goodness. 2017. And I, I, I pray for those who, who suffered much more greatly than we did. But we were affected in this way. Um, first, uh, and this was seemingly, uh, seemingly unrelated. But you know how many apostrophes I have around the word seemingly unrelated. Um, but first, our car was totaled by a city bus. So now we have completely lost our ability to get from A to B. Gone is our transport. No worries. We're a positive, happy family. We'll just use the bus. Shortly after that, there's Hurricane Irma comes along. And we go on a little bit of an adventure on our, um, <clears throat> on our evacuation trip. And that's where we have the idea, because we're hearing, you see, that Hurricane Irma is heading straight for Sarasota. It's a Category 5. There'll be nothing left. So we're now in our hearts and in our minds processing this idea, this concept, this imaginary vision that we've lost everything, including our friends, including our loved ones. All these sorts of things have, uh, have fallen from us, been, been blown away by the wind. Now, as it actually transpired, we were blessed in that the hurricane took a complete U-turn and it, it really, really weakened and it saved our community in Sarasota. There was damage, but, but luckily nothing like what we were expecting. But in our consciousness, what had happened then was a shift already, saying that we have lost everything and yet here we are. And I think that was the seed that sort of set us off uh, on the trajectory, that we have lost everything, yet here we are. 
something remains. There is something remaining here that is not dependent on everything that we've crafted. So when we turn back to Sarah, return to Sarasota, we were financially impacted. My husband had lost his contracts. There was no more work to be found. And so we, we didn't have the financial ability to maintain the lifestyle that we crafted, the house that we loved so dearly. Um, we'd already lost our car. So it was almost as if this vision had come true already, that even though the hurricane hadn't done the damage, consciousness had done the damage and we'd lost it all. So we packed up our suitcase and we said goodbye to many of our beloved items and we gave away a lot. And this was when we first sort of looked each other in the eye and challenged each other to say, do we really believe that we are provided for? Do we really, really believe that if we lose everything here, we still are? Is it really true that the, the provision of abundance maintains regardless of circumstance? Is that really true? So we decided to head out to, to Colorado. So we had to say goodbye to our life in Florida. And there was somebody in Colorado who said it put us up for a little while until we got our chocolate business running. Uh, I don't know if you ever tried one of my husband's chocolates, but it was absolutely amazing. And, and we decided to go out to Colorado where they had certain uh, uh, sort of cottage kitchen laws that allow you to create a little craft out of cooking for other people. So we were going to go out there and we were going to try and infuse essential oils in and Reiki into these chocolates to create little delicious healing melting chocolate um, medicine. And my goodness, they were so well received. It was incredible watching these chocolates fly out to everybody. But Suzanne and Gary, for the life of us, for the life of us, we could not make a penny. We could not make a penny. Everywhere we went, these chocolates were hailed and hallelujahed. We drove for hours and hours and hours over the mountains to deliver these chocolates to various places. We tried. We worked so hard. We believed for it. We created the vision boards. We wrote down all our gratitude lists. We architected the oomph out of this thing. And it never took off. It got to the point where our friend who was putting us up decided to sell his house. We had no money and no credit and the business was nothing. We had a lot of chocolates and we had happy girls, but we had nothing in front of us. And oh my word, guys, this is what I did. First, I hitchhiked to Utah from Colorado to go to a conference to learn how to, uh, to generate an income with essential oils. I hitchhiked from Colorado to Utah on faith. That is absolutely bananas, but already the spirit had taken us, you see. Already we were kind of faced with being at rock bottom and there's nothing else to do. So by this point, we just said, let's just surrender and see what happens next. So as I'm out there, my husband discovers an RV. He says, well, you tell you what we could do. We can take this RV and we can turn it into a little tiny home for our little tiny family. So while I'm on my way to Utah, my amazing husband is taking this RV apart. But my goodness, isn't it like Pandora's box where he takes one panel off and there's rot and he takes another thing off and it's rusted out. And by the end of it, he has completely torn this thing apart and there's nothing left. There is absolutely nothing left of this RV. It cannot be done. He calls me on the last day of the conference, right? When I'm out there in Utah, he calls me up and he says, it's over. The RV is not going to work. We have got three days left till we need to be out of this house. Nothing's in front of us. 
and the RV is completely destroyed. I said, darling, here we go. Here we go. We're at the edge of the cliff. There's nothing to do but leap off. I tell you what really sort of solidified that feeling of anxiety, or, or I should say maybe challenged faith, you know, because when we leap off a cliff, there's these two feelings. There's this conflicting uh, call that says, trust me, it's safe. I've got you. I always will. Right? The dependable universe. Right, Gary? And there's this other feeling that says, don't jump off the cliff. Don't you know you're going to slam to the ground? So this is so we're sort of navigating these energies, you know, because these are all part of the, our total prehension. It's not just our thought energy that creates. It's not just our emotions and our feelings that creates. It's the sum of all things, including our actions. So lo and behold, we sort of take a deep breath. A friend calls us up and says, well, I've got a barn. You could live in my barn for a little while. Well, it's a solution. Now, a, a couple of uh, days before this, before the, no, a couple of weeks, sorry, before this, um, this RV disaster, my husband and I had actually attended a chocolate festival and tried to generate at least a little bit of cash. Maybe if we could make a few thousand bucks, we could figure out a, uh, an interim solution. So we're at this chocolate festival down in Denver, and we've got all these delicious healing chocolates. But it's the pissiest day you can imagine. There's this sleet and sideways rain nobody's walking around looking for a slice of chocolate. Nobody is there. <laughs> it, there's us and there's a handful of other desperate chocolate vendors. And there's about 150 homeless people all gathered in this park in downtown Denver. So we're sharing space with, with those, the very ones who have ventured to the furthest outreach of, of, of reliance on goodwill. These homeless people who are there, they, they have only the goodwill of others to depend on. And this was the space that we were in. So we were face to face with the living example of where we were heading. And we shared all of our chocolate with these homeless people because there's nobody's looking for chocolate in the rain. And we drove home that day with nothing left. It's like, there we go, yet again, nothing left. So the sense of nothing left, that's returned to us many times, you guys. That has returned to us several times. We're driving up the mountain and somebody sends a text and says something along the lines of, you should be ashamed of the way you're raising your children. Kicking us while we're down, why don't you? You know, do, do you know that feeling? I'm sure some of your listeners know that feeling. You, there you are with nothing left, that nothing can get worse than this, and then it does. Just when the worst happens, it gets worse. So here we are constantly navigating new realities, new depths of darkness, new challenges, new levels of anxiety, new levels of questioning. Will we survive this? So we find this barn and my blessed father flies over to England to help us. My goodness, what a dear he is. He flew all the way from England to help us turn this barn into something livable because my goodness, there were snakes in the walls. There were rats nests. There was filth everywhere. The, the windows didn't close. The doors didn't close. In fact, we had to do a bungee cord around the barn doors to keep the bears from coming in. Um, we managed to clean it up. We hung up some fairy lights. We put some beautiful fabrics out. We made it as magical as we could. We pulled one power cord from the nearest house up through the window, and we used that power cord to power a dorm fridge and which, in which we kept a little bit of food and to, to power some fairy lights and an essential oil diffuser. 
And that was all the electricity we had. We had to make a humanoid toilet out in the woods. We had to wait for the rain to fill up the streams before we could wash. So we, had, we were now living as the bare minimum, truly as the bare minimum. And in that place, we're, ask, we're asking new questions, new questions. If I truly am provided for, then why am I living in a derelict barn with my children? If I can command the universe to provide me with what I need, then why am I only making $50 a month? doing my truest service? What are the mechanics going on here? What are the energetics going on here? And we're asking these bold, bold questions and we're continuing to remain in faith. We're continuing to remain in the knowing that there are only three elements in the universe, love, spirit, and substance, and that we are all those three things, equally, indivisibly, at all times. Ergo, if this is where I am, then this is where abundance is. Shortly after we started discovering all the resources, we started seeing the truth of that. First, we found gardens and we were taught how to grow. Then we found food pantries and we were, we were taught how to shop in a certain way that could benefit not just our family, but also our entire community. We learned that uh, this may come as a surprise to some people, but there is more food on this planet than we can consume. We discovered that grocery stores, including those lovely organic grocery stores, will overstock on produce and then toss the remaining stuff to landfill, even though it's perfectly good. And there are some angels out there that go around and collect that food and redistribute it to the communities. So we discovered that this sort of abundance is always going on. There is support everywhere. There are angels everywhere. There are opportunities and open doors absolutely everywhere. Now, some people were saying, you should put your children in a factory school and you should get minimum wage jobs and you should go and try and apply for Section 8 housing and you should try and, and restore your wealth the traditional way. And that made a lot of sense. That made a lot of sense. That's a very, very logical um, uh, solution to what we were going through. But, you, but when you've made a commitment to truth, you can't veer off that path. We're still surrendered to the flow that's calling us forward. So we stay in this barn. Um, I, put my, uh, I, I put myself forward and I started teaching classes in a local church. I started teaching the art of prayer. I started teaching the art of healing. And, uh, and, and in one of these classes, someone put her hand up and said, would you like to stay in my cabin over the course of the winter and make sure my pipes don't freeze? Because that would be a great help to me. I've got to go to Manhattan, she said. And this was, uh, this was about six days before the first anticipated frost. And my children are sleeping in a derelict barn at night underneath some blankets. So of course I said, yes, my goodness. Where did this opportunity come from? Of course, I'd like to go and look after your look after your cabin. We arrived in this little cabin, and my goodness, it was a mansion. You know what? The, it, it used to be owned by an Oscar-winning playwright, right? which that's one of my dreams. I would love that experience. And the Wi-Fi password was the name of my first publisher. And, and not only that, but it was on 180 acres of unspoiled Rocky Mountain. And so now suddenly we've gone from living as, as absolutely hopeless, um, in a hopeless circumstance in a barn, 
to magically living in this utter luxury, utter, utter luxury in a million dollar lifestyle that we could not have manifested had we tried to architect it with our thoughts or had we gone through the traditional route which the world wanted us to do. It was pure and utter magic where we went moment by moment, step by step, following the call deeper and deeper into life to watch these incredible manifestations blossom out of nowhere. Out of nothing itself came this incredible vitality in life. But we hadn't completely solved the root cause. We hadn't fully understood the relationship between source, spirit and substance. So by this point, we had separated substance from spirit and we had said wealth is not in the stuff, right? Because originally we were believing wealth is in the stuff. So we need to get the stuff to have the wealth. Then God made us learn that wealth isn't in the stuff. Wealth and stuff can be separate because he took away all our stuff and wealth was still there. So at this point, our consciousness, our framework of consciousness is still knowing that wealth isn't stuff. So at this point, now we're living in this luxury sort of environment and there are alarm bells going off saying wealth isn't stuff. Saying wealth isn't stuff. And I, I think in, in many ways, um, one of my early childhood programmings that actually benefited me a lot, but to some extent may have held me back somewhat as well, is this, is this, listen to this, listen to these words, God provides what I need. That's a wonderful truth that gives you a lot of trust. But listen to me, as you ascend in consciousness and your life mastery improves, you need less. So if you then have a program saying God provides what I need, God provides less. So I had to shift from God provides what I need to God provides for me abundantly what I want and what I want and more and more beautifully and in mind blowing ways every day. That's the shift I had to make next and realize that wealth and stuff don't need to be separate. Wealth doesn't rely on stuff, but it certainly can live in stuff. And, and at the time, before this later lesson was truly embodied, we're in this beautiful house in the Rocky Mountains. And we're like, you know, I'm teaching some classes. I'm taking some students. Uh, I'm, I'm focusing on prosperity for light workers. Isn't that, isn't that a funny paradox? Um, I'm also training uh, with the Episcopal Church at the time. So I'm training for ministry through the Episcopal path to priesthood. And so I've got a lot going on here. Uh, my husband is offered a, uh, um, an opportunity to work as a camp director for one of the amazing Episcopal retreats that are out there. And it was such a perfect opportunity, guys, because we knew that our benefactor would be wanting her house back soon. And we had still hadn't managed to launch any sort of business. We still hadn't managed to generate any sort of income. We didn't have any credit. And we're in the same exact position we were the year before. Isn't that funny? That's, that's divine comedy, isn't it? So we've learned all these amazing lessons. We've experienced all this incredible grace. And lo and behold, we're at the threshold again, where God says, what are you going to do next then? You don't have any money. You don't have a plan. You haven't got a business. 
and she wants her house back in just a few weeks, but that's okay. Sorry, go on. I was going to say that is a great place to stop in the middle of this story so that everybody will stay through our break and come back to hear the rest of the story. As a famous oh broadcaster once said. Absolutely fascinating. This is amazing. The denouement of a lady who has been through so much, as has her family, and she even got religion going to the Episcopal Church. Sometime we'll have to talk about the nuances between the Episcopal in America versus the C of A that you might be more accustomed to on the other side of the pond. Elizabeth Wilson, you you have been through so much, but you also are in charge of your own destiny. Everybody I know who knows you says that about you. You have a boldness and a confidence and an openness to what the universe chooses to reveal to you or reveals as a reflection of your own thought. Is that not the essence of what we like to call the science of mind? There's a big book about it. You could read it. Ernest Holmes wrote it, and we tout that every now and again on this show. But we want more from Elizabeth Wilson. We want to hear, yes, the rest of the story. So why don't we take a couple of minutes out and move the economy forward, and when we come back, more with Elizabeth Wilson. And we're going to make some opportunity for you to hear about the way of enlightenment that is sovereign. It's a way of sovereignty. And we'll see how that weaves into this beautiful narrative on the other side of this break. Thanks for listening to Manson Mitchell. You're tuned in to AM 1150, and we'll be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days. And I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary, we could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please, get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash manceandmitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is manceandmitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com.
On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Elizabeth Wilson, who has a fresh take on the way of transformation and human ascension. Aspire higher. On Saturday, Sasquatch researcher Tom Yamarone joins us to discuss the everlasting intrigue, including revelations about cases and faces in the evergreen lore of Bigfoot. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. On the path to good health and well-being, Alternative Talk 1150 is the station for you. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Elizabeth Wilson. Elizabeth, if people, some of our listeners would like to connect with you and learn more about what you're doing and your book and everything, please tell them how they can do that. Well, guys, we're having a lot of fun in our free study group at the minute. You can find us on www. Uh, three w's you know that by now three w's dot facebook.com forward slash the sovereign way and it's a beautiful and, and metaphysically brilliant uh, group for those who have uh, a good thinker on them a big heart on them and who are earnestly earnestly looking for uh, deeper truths in life and a way of actually practicing the art of ascension the art of expanding consciousness so for a sovereign life that's where to go it's facebook.com forward slash the t-h-e sovereign s-o-v-e-r-e-i-g-n way can't wait to see you guys come on in okay very good thank you and we do acknowledge and honor the man nicknamed meatloaf that was his stage name i believe his last name is actually his actual surname is a-d-a-y so uh farewell to him a great talent and i just have to smile this is just one of those those little things about life i read on twitter people were mourning the loss of this great star and uh, apparently a wonderful man because people love me you get someone to say they love meatloaf they mean the performer right and this this one tweeter uh paid his respects and talked about how much he liked him and then he actually said r.i.p mr loaf (laughs) (laughs) who who taught you to eulogize So Meatloaf is no longer with us, but we still have the music and the memories. Also, Emmy-winning comedian Louis Anderson died in Las Vegas. He he had cancer and uh, died there, I believe, early this morning. So it just accentuates, uh, Elizabeth, what I've been saying for the past few weeks. I mean, look at Betty White. Of course, she was, you know, just days away from turning 100. But this person, that person that we grew up with, that we have treasured, they've been in our collective consciousness, everybody's time comes, and we cross that bridge, we know not where we are going, but we believe there is somewhere to go if you are a person of faith, and these folks are leaving us, it seems just not only too soon, but too rapidly, Yeah, and that's what I just wanted to say about that, so let's Let's not hold out anymore. People have been hanging on. They want to hear the rest of this story. What an extraordinary adventure and challenge that you and your husband, Matt, and the girls had in this place where you really are in the wilds. Yes. Yeah. It, it, it kept getting wilder, you know. Have you, is life like that for us sometimes where we, we, we steadfastly and faithfully take a step forward 
wanting to and intending to do the right thing and we find ourselves getting deeper and deeper into some sort of jungle. I think that there, you know, perhaps that's part of the human condition. And if anyone has read The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho, then you know how our story ends. And indeed, we, we did end up going through the wilderness again and again and again in, in many different iterations. But I think that to, 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 honor, um, to, to honor Meatloaf and Betty Wife and all of these other, sorry, Betty White and all of these um, beautiful souls who are transitioning from one form of expression and into another, I think we can all say that if we understand that spirit and substance are in fact one thing and that there is one source of spirit and substance, then we can sort of imagine, can't we, that, that substance being made up of an infinite number of primordial particles of God or the God particle or the Higgs boson particle is another way of saying it. Can you imagine all of creation being made up of this, almost like the Sahara Desert is made up of all of these millions and millions of particles. And if we can appreciate that spirit is indivisibly in those particles, and we can imagine that it's the breath of God that sort of moves those sand dunes shifting over time. Well, can we imagine then, this is a little thought experiment, imagine how our consciousness is the knowing that commands the spirit to move the substance. So that if we are holding on to any particular shape in our minds, in our thoughts, or in our energy fields of, of what reality needs to look like, or what life should be, or what, what sort of a body should be holding this soul, if we hold on too tightly to that, then we can deny the real beauty of organic natural transformation. That comes when you let go of that shape, you let go of your investment in that shape and you let the spirit, the breath of life shift those sand dunes into new unexpected iterations of itself. And it's, it's easy for us then in that thought experiment to appreciate the beauty of what happens when a legend like Meatloaf passes away and his, his, his sand dune, his collection of particles is allowed to be released and then reformed in another way. But yet spirit is indivisible. Spirit is, is never ending. It is not spirit that changes. It is only substance that changes. And I think that allows us an incredible peace, you know, an incredible uh, deep self-acceptance, a deep trust that if I let go of the, 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 the river banks that I'm holding on to and let that flow of river sort of guide me away to, to another destination, then I will be all right. I will be all right. But as long as I'm holding on, as long as I'm holding on, then the flow of the river will increase until I'm overwhelmed, until I feel like I'm drowning, until I feel like I'm losing my footing. It truly is the surrender, the constant surrender, nanosecond by nanosecond, that brings us into the sort of buoyancy and poise that allows us to accept a new reality to come to form. So I think um, where I left off, shall I, shall I go back into my, into my little tale? My little yes. tale of adventure. Yeah. Yes, because we told people that you would, and I want to know what happens next. 
oh my goodness, what happens next? We were then living in this gorgeous cabin in this 180 acres, knowing that our time is almost up, knowing that we do not have the resources that our traditional minds would, would want us to have in order to take a safe next step. My husband got an offer to, uh, to the perfect job offer, actually, to be a camp director at an Episcopal retreat center. And this is during the time where I was studying for priesthood with the Episcopal church. So it was absolutely perfect. They would provide a home, they would provide an income, they would provide the environment where I could continue my studies. So it was absolutely perfect. And we manifested the nukes out of this thing. We prayed on it. We knew on it. We spoke over it. We were absolutely high vibing, poised by all traditional teachings, by the laws of attraction. That should have been ours. He made it all the way to the last, the final interview. And then three days after the final interview, three, we spoke to the bishop and everything. It was absolutely fantastic. Suddenly comes a phone call saying, we've pulled the job. We're not hiring. We're not going to hire. It's not that you didn't get it. It's just that we're not going to do it. And all of those eggs that we put into that basket just shattered into obliteration and there's egg everywhere, absolutely everywhere. We're looking at our watches going any minute now we need to be out of this, out of this house. And, and that thing we were relying on didn't show up. It didn't show up. We could not craft this with our thoughts. We could, not, we could not passionately call this opportunity to us with our hearts and our positive vibes. That was not possible. Because you know what, guys? We didn't have the knowledge, the wisdom that divine source did that Corona would be coming along just a few, just a, six months later, and there'd be no need for a camp director for the next three years. We didn't know that at the time. Yeah. So give up your idea that you're supposed to architect and craft the perfect life. You're not. You don't know what the perfect life is. You don't know what's around the corner. Surrender is the key to allowing the incredible abundance of infinite love, God's infinite love for you to actually come to form. So we have this telephone call, right? And we're like, oh, here we are again. Here we are again with nothing left, with nowhere to go. We don't know what to do. There isn't a plan. What is going to happen? And this gorgeous woman who'd been following me for a little while on, on Instagram uh, reached out and said, as it happens, um, I've been calling for a family to come and live here with us to help us take care of the land. Would you consider coming and, and spending some time with us? Now, this stunning creature she is a she's a pagan priestess a self-proclaimed witch of the world who lives out in the wild in a yurt with her little family where she tends in devotion to the elements of mother she tends to the goats she grows the food she grows the reeds and then she weaves the reeds they're building a a, a, a bathhouse out of cob and out of uh, Adobe. And so this is such an opportunity for my husband and I to sort of go, let's learn the lifestyle then, right? If this is gonna keep 
we keep finding ourselves back in this cycle where we really, really have nothing left, then let's really learn the craft of, of calling what we need out of the earth itself, including our home, including our food. Let's, let's take this a step further then. So we get a canvas tent, it's all we can afford at the time. We get a canvas tent, somebody donates to us some solar-powered showers. Uh, the, the church community rallies around us and, and, and provides us with what they can get hold of, of batteries and so on. Uh, and, and off we go. And once again, doesn't my dear daddy fly over from England to help us with all of this? Yes, he does. What a guy. He's so dependable. My father's assurance, you know, that's a frequency. That's a vibration. Listen to that my father's assurance it really makes a difference so my daddy flies over to England and he comes along and uh, uh, helps us shift all of our stuff from this house we were living in by grace in the mountains to a tent in the wilderness four hours deeper into the Rockies and we set up our tent I have to I'm literally pickaxing the mountain to, to level it for our tent I'm literally pulling out of the mountain a, a flat space where I can provide shelter for my children. You know, to what extent is it by choice? To what extent is it by calling? To what extent is it just the, 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 the random mechanics of the energetics of the universe? To what extent is it just the sovereign hand? that loves me and knows me and is, is helping me to design the spiritual path, the soul path that will make me the guide that I need to be, the person that I need to be. That's a question and a mystery I don't know if we'll ever have the answer to. But so we're living out there still with nothing. We discovered that you can take a car battery and you can use that to power your fairy lights and perhaps one or two other bits of electric things. And then you can have another car battery in the car. And then when one is running low, you simply switch them and then you recharge it with your car battery. And then the other car battery is powering the stuff. So we we learn this way of making do with what we've got. And, uh, and it is a, a time where our relationship with abundance goes deeper. I had I was still taking clients. I was still taking students. I would sit underneath the juniper tree, which was the only place where I could get Wi-Fi signal. And I'd take my call with my clients that way. And the cockerel would go <laughs> right in the middle of my call. And it was utterly, utterly wild. Um, I would take uh, Reiki students, students who want to learn how they could themselves communicate with the essence of life force and feel it viscerally. So I'd take these students and teach them the craft of energy medicine. And sometimes they couldn't pay me in cash because that's what I'm magnetizing, right? I'm magnetizing and attracting other people who are not generating cash. So they didn't have any cash to pay me. So they would pay in, in duck eggs or fresh apricots or peaches or lavender or fresh water. And all over the place, we were surrounded by this incredible, immeasurable goodwill. But there we are out there and the winter's coming. <laughs> And we know there's another threshold coming up because even though we've we've discovered now how to live with this wilderness and it wasn't easy. I, I know I make it sound like it was all magic and, you know, the Milky Way was over the head at night and we could hear the yapping of the coyotes and all those things are true. It was utterly, utterly magic and beautiful. But I would be lying if I didn't say that anxiety came every single night, every single night when you could hear 
the, the snuffing or snarling of a mountain lion or when the bears came and attacked our camp and took our food or when a storm would come in and you could hear the thunder reverberating between all the different mountain peaks like we were inside a bowl of thunder and that dark dark voice comes to you and says who do you think you are how dare you you should be ashamed of yourself this is never going to end well your children are going to be eaten by wild animals by the end of the night faux show you know that voice visits it doesn't matter how enlightened you are it doesn't matter how ascended you think you are or how how you've mastered all the laws of the universe that voice visits it's innate it's in the air that we breathe and the mastery is, is recognizing the difference between that subtle uh, darkness and the voice that's calling you forward in truth. So that's the mastery, because then you, then you can discern, can't you? Do I steer my rudder left or do I steer my rudder right? Where do I go next? It's not the power of thought. Thought has, has its role. Thought is a part of your craft. But truly, the, the art of remembering, the art of remembering the truth in times of darkness, the art of recalibrating your compass to truth, that's the gold, that's the nugget, right? So there we are in the wild and, and we get this, uh, we know that, uh, that the time is coming up and winter's coming, so we know we're at this threshold. And then I get the call to say that my grandmother's ill. And she's probably not going to make it. And then I get the call to say that she's passed. And she's a long way away. And my family's a long way away. And I'm out there in the wild with my husband and my two little children. And we own nothing. We don't own anything. We just have this tent, a makeshift kitchen that we've built out there. And, uh, and a couple of car batteries. And that's the extent. Oh, my husband's didgeridoo. I mean, that thing came in handy, let me tell you. <laughs> a little bit of music, a little bit of rhythm can do wonders for the soul. But we looked at each other and realized if we can find just enough money to get on that plane and go to England and be with the family during this time, then perhaps that's the step forward. And certainly that's exactly what happened. While we were over there in England to be with our family during this time of grief, my mother received a diagnosis of, uh, of early onset Alzheimer's. There was a diagnosis is a piece of paper, isn't it? But, but a, a conscious choice to make agreement or to engage with a reality, that's a mystery. That's an entire sort of personal spiritual uh, experience of sovereignty. What am I believing in here? So we brought my mother back to Sarasota. Do you know where we ended up, guys? In the very house we left all those years ago, in the oh, very on. house. Not only that, but over the course of, uh, of just a short while, the, all of the back debt that had, in, that had accrued during our time in the wilderness, all of that back debt by a series of miraculous happenings was utterly wiped. So we're back in the house that we left in the first place. We're debt free. The business starts actually building. My mother receives the, all these beautiful alternative treatments to help her. And what seems to be coming about here is, is a, an explosion of vitality, an explosion of possibility, and all things are restored. 
in the name of Christ. Absolutely incredible. That's what happened. Wow. And that, folks, is the sovereign way. <laughs> you may not wish to go to such extremes. <laughs> Elizabeth and Matt, they're a special couple. They are adventurers on the earth, children of the earth, really, I think, in a very authentic way. And now, and we just have a couple of minutes here, Elizabeth, but how do you translate and transmute your experience into a core curriculum that you teach people? Well, uh, part of this is uh, is the ability to see what was actually going on, to, the ability to sort of draw one's perspective out of the chaos of what's happening and look at what's actually occurring. There's a difference between what's occurring and what's happening. So we were able to actually um, uh, to unwrap the links between points of consciousness, energy fields and vibration and actual manifest form. And using the sovereign way, the sovereign framework, you can actually lay out an entire energetic landscape and see what's actually going on here. That way, instead of trying to heal domino after domino after domino, you go to the original domino and you topple that one and you let process take care of the rest. So that's the key to mastery as we've learned. It's embodied grace and it's a, a, a strong and, and solid understanding of these links of how consciousness, energy and form are entwined and work together. That's the sovereign way. And that's what we teach our clients how to do and how to live in utter peace and self-acceptance. Are your clients one-on-one -on -one or do you do classes, Elizabeth? Uh, both, actually. We, we take private clients on, on journeys from five weeks all the way to 12 months. So it's, it can be a really beautiful and privately curated education program. But we also have a spa for the soul called The Oasis, and that's our group coaching um, offering. We have these amazing people from all over the world gathering once a week for immersion teachings and for group coaching. Uh, so it, you know, it really depends on, uh, on our clients' and uh, what they're going through uh, at the moment and what they're aspiring to and how they relate to the world. Uh, and if anyone wants to sort of have an exploration uh, call with us, then reach out to us through that link, through, through facebook.com forward slash the sovereign way. Uh, and we'll see, we'll see what that perfect kind of offering would look like and how, how you can best work with this material. That is absolutely fascinating. And thank you for sharing that incredible story. Yeah. Incredible, but true. And you right. survived and look at all that you brought back with you to share with the world. Thank you, Elizabeth Wilson. We are grateful to have you with us today. Let's do it again sometime. Yes, please. Thank you for having me, guys. It is always such a hoot. I love you. All right. Next up, we have the Christine Upchurch Show and at one o'clock Pacific time, American Road Trip Talk with host Gary Mance. Thank you for saying that, Suzanne. We want to wish Godspeed to Michael Lee Aday, better known as Meatloaf, and of course, Louis Anderson as well. Have yourselves a wonderful weekend, everyone. We'll be back tomorrow, 10 a.m. Pacific, right here on AM 1150 or 1150kknw.com.